Agriculture of America is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, this is AOA, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Mike Pearson. Well, hello, folks. Thanks for tuning in to AOA today. It is a busy week ahead, both for the ag economy and for the more broad, both U.S. economy and global economy elections tomorrow, midterm elections. We continue to see some economic data coming out. CPI numbers come out later this week. And of course, USDA will send us their world agricultural supply and demand estimates later on this week. That's got a lot of questions percolating in the minds of traders. So we're going to talk with Darren Newsom of Newsom Analysis here in just a moment about what questions he's thinking. And then in segment two, it's a Monday. So we're going to talk with our friend John Baranek of DTN Weather about just what to expect with this cold snap that's moved across much of the country and what he's watching down there in the tropics as that tropical storm Nicole gets closer to Florida. In segment three, Mike Strands, the vice president of Adv- advocacy with the National Farmers Union, will be joining us on the program. They're looking ahead to tomorrow's midterm election, no doubt, like a lot of other policy shops in agriculture. we we'll get their take on what they're seeing and what they're looking for as those midterms come to a close. And we're going to end today with Beth Breeding of the National Turkey Federation. Turkey producers have had a tough year, but despite the challenges with high path avian influenza, there will be plenty of turkey out there for your Thanksgiving celebrations. Beth will fill us in on that at the end of the show. Let's dive in to these markets. And Darren, we didn't see a whole lot of activity in the ag commodities over the weekend. So I'm curious more about the broad economy. We did get some jobs data last week. What was your take and what does it show about the state of the U.S. economy? Yeah, you know, the number one thing that the job that the October jobs data proved to me once again is that government numbers just don't really make a lot of sense. I mean, we had uh, we had uh, we had the uh, non-farm payroll come in above expectations, but yet uh, we had unemployment go up as well. And so, you know, I kind of scoured what uh, most of the talking heads slash economists slash analysts were talking about. And you know, basically it was just a sense of confusion. I think the underlying, you know, the underlying current here from what I'm looking at with, you know, we take into the big, you know, broad numbers of, of jobs and this sort of thing in the overall economy. I just don't think it's as, I, and I know, I know a lot of folks are, are in a different situation. I just don't think it's as bad as what everybody's talking about. I think there's a lot of partisanship uh, in the evaluation of the economy. Uh, but if we look at it, you know, we have inflation. We know we have inflation, but that's a normal part of any of any economic cycle. You go through inflation. Um, and that's exactly where we are today. And there's a lot of reasons why we have inflation right now. But, you know, what's interesting is we're talking about inflation, eight, nine percent, whatever it might be at this point. But if we, you know, for those of us who can go back to the 70s and 80s, and even with interest rates climbing up to what, three and three quarter percent, four percent now, uh, it's it just pales in comparison. It's not that drastic. It's not as drastic a situation that's, and it's being made out to be. And I, I just think it's something that we will pass through. Well, Darren, and the concern I hear from some folks, largely coming from the right here, as you mentioned, because partisanship does shape perception of these issues, is that, yeah, we're at eight or nine percent inflation now. The Fed's at three and three quarters, four percent now. But if the Fed doesn't wrap it up, rank ramp it up, we're going to be at that 12, 15 percent inflation. Does that hold much water with you as an analysis? Well, you know, we, you know, we, we could see the Fed, you know, really continue its aggressive approach. And it would probably, and it, it could probably do that over the next year. The problem is we got a very late start. We we know that the previous administration wanted to keep interest rates low, and and the Fed kept interest rates low for a long time, trying to keep the dollar cheap so that some trade dish, uh, some trade deals looked better, and that just simply didn't work. And then inflation got away from us. So now we are looking at eight to nine percent, and the talk is that we're going to have to see uh, we're going to see the Fed fund rate go up over five percent. My guess is five percent, maybe a little higher, but still, we're not we're not talking about 1980s style interest rates or anything like that. But yes, I think the Fed's going to have to continue to make a move. Uh, it just it's not you know it, it's painted as is not a very popular view, but really, I mean that that's that's what the Fed has at their disposal. It's the tool that they have to use. 
even though I don't think it's that effective when much of what we're seeing is caused by a shortage of supplies, not necessarily, you know, we are seeing still strong demand, but a lot of this comes back to shortage of supply that's weather related, uh, that's certainly related to what's going on over in Europe, and higher interest rates simply aren't going to solve any of that. Darren, given all of that, plus the uncertainty created by a midterm election, I'd like to ask you, what's the investment money doing in the world today? It had been going to cash. Is that still the trend? Yeah, I think, you know, what we saw in October was the U.S. dollar started to look a little bit top heavy. So investment money just wasn't automatically flowing to the dollar. We heard reports, uh, true or not, no one ever knows that China was getting ready to sell dollar to strengthen the yuan. Uh, so there's always that possibility. But we also saw all three major U.S. stock indexes post bullish technical reversals. And this is about eight, nine months ahead of when I was expecting. Uh, I was looking for that to occur possibly in June, but here we had it in October. So this might be telling us that some of that investment money is going back over into stock indexes, uh, into stocks in general, and not just in the U.S., but also global stocks. So it's going to be interesting to watch if we start to see these stock markets being attracting uh, investment money, money coming out of cash and also limiting how much money might be going into commodities, regardless of how bullish the fundamentals are. All right. Now, Darren, while we're thinking about that movement of funds into commodities, we'll get a benchmark for that later on this week when the USDA <laughs> releases their World Agricultural Supply and Demand Estimates. I know you don't put much stock into reports Zero. coming from USDA, so I'm curious, given that that piece of data will be coming out later on this week, which markets are most poised for a volatile response, or are you not concerned about it at all? I'm not concerned about it at all. In fact, I thought of you um, earlier today, Mike, because um, when, when, you know, because I had a feeling that WASD would come up and all it is is a huge Kino game. And it's like people going to Vegas and, and playing probably the dumbest game possible in this Kino where you, you pay your money and then you let the house tell you if you want one or not. It's absolutely ridiculous. And when I thought of you, I thought of uh, yours and my trip to uh, to Vegas one time to do a to do a joint presentation. Uh, it just crossed my mind when the when the latest WASD came out. Um, but yeah, it, it's ridiculous. I mean, we can see real fundamentals by tracking basis, by tracking cash price and future spreads. We know what the commercial side's expecting down the road. We don't know the actual numbers because the actual numbers are all made up anyway. But we know the general feel of bullish, bearish, or neutral. But so many people do want to play the game of Kino, wait to see what the number turns out to be, think that it's important, put their money down, and then we go on. Well, Darren, let's bring it back to reality then for mm -hmm. a second. Keep it in your wheelhouse. Let's talk basis. We've seen a very sure. strong corn basis out west. Is that going to continue all through this fourth quarter? Yes, it will, because what we've seen is last week's calculation came in at five point national average basis came in at five point four cents over December. This is incredibly strong. It's 20 cents stronger than last week. What's happened is we just don't have the supplies. Future spreads are more bullish than they were last year at this time. We just simply do not have the supplies. And what we do have has been tucked away. So available stocks to use is tightening up. Uh, across the Midwest. And so it's going to be a, a fight over the fourth quarter and even into next spring uh, to get those bushels to where they need to be to, to meet demand with those tight supplies. That's always the name of the game, folks. We've been talking with Darren Newsom of Newsom Analysis. You can find him online at darrennewsom.com. Darren, thanks for joining us today and looking forward to seeing how this week plays out. Thanks for having me on again, Mike. And folks, stick around. John Baranek of DTN Weather will be joining us shortly. We're going to talk cold snap and tropical activity when AOA returns. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Senex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils. Oils that run smart. As a farmer, growing your business is more than just a nine to five. It's your life's work. That's why the Roundup Ready Extend crop system goes all in to help you stay on top. Backed by decades of innovation, offering the latest trait technology and triple herbicide tolerance, plus more weed species controlled than any other soybean system. Because you mean business, and so do we. Learn more at systemofchoice.com. Claim based on approved EPA herbicide labels as of January 2021. Read and follow pesticide label directions, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. I think farming picked me. <laughs> I didn't pick farming. I'm not afraid to try something new. It's my farm, my family, and our future. My channel Seedsman gets that. I get access to innovative products with personalized advice backed by data to maximize my yield potential. With channel, I know I'll prosper for years to come. 
Define your future at channel.com slash future. Read and follow pesticide label directions, IRM, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. Copyright 2022 Bayer Group. All rights reserved. This is the place most people think of when they hear that a seed has been engineered for superior performance and designed with proven genetic traits. Because something like that could only come from a lab, right? But this is where Allegiant Seed by CHS comes from. It's made by farmers for farmers. Its advanced genetics and unbeatable value are proven here in their fields to make sure they do the job in yours. Talk to your CHS retailer about Allegiant Seed today or learn more at AllegiantSeed.com. These acres you've put your life into, your view each harvest morning. While the ag industry changes, this land is meant to be here for your grandkids and then theirs. That's why ADS and drainage contractors across the nation are doing our part to protect America's farm families. We're proud to provide water management solutions that make family farms like yours more profitable, now and for generations to come. Learn more about how we keep families farming at ADSPipe.com. You are not your diagnosis. A medical chart is not your identity. And vision loss does not define you. Your drive shows who you are. And you are not alone. Because we are driven too. To be a beacon of strength. A champion of courage. An advocate for hope. You are not alone. Because we are stronger together. We drive the research for the cures we are finding. We're fighting macular degeneration. Retinitis pigmentosa. Usher syndrome and the entire spectrum of blinding retinal diseases. We fund. We fight. We, we win. We 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 are, are the, the foundation, foundation fighting, fighting blindness. blindness. Together, we are fighting blindness. Join the fight at fightingblindness.org. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Senex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils. Oils that run smart. Information farmers and ranchers need to know. AOA. Now back to Mike Pearson. Welcome back to AOA, ladies and gentlemen. I'm sure, like some of you tuning in right now, I spent part of this past weekend getting ready for winter. I had to dig out winter coats, find winter gloves, and all of that stuff as this cold air moved in. Joining us for an update and a look at the weather into the future is John Baranek of DTN Weather. John, this cold snap is here. How much of the country are we covering with below average temps today? Honestly, uh, the cold front that went through is, isn't too bad, and it's not going to last too long here uh, as we start to get you know, some warmer temperatures moving back in uh, to the middle of the country and eastern portions of the country here uh, tomorrow and, and really Wednesday and Thursday as well. So it's not going to last too long here for us, but uh, we're going to have to keep our eyes out west because we got a big trough moving in there. Uh, storm system brewing here for today, and we got a little bit of snow going on across the northern plains. Um, not too bad. But uh, some pretty chilly temperatures. Temperatures right now are actually in the teens. So you know, we're not expecting them to move very far across Montana or North Dakota yet today either. Wow. Yeah, no, it is a chilly one. And John, I'm curious, before we talk about what's coming this week, I'm hoping we could get an update on what happened over the weekend. We saw substantial moisture fall across much of the parts of the, the Corn Belt. Is that going to lead to some changes on the drought monitor when it comes out on Thursday? I think it will. Uh, we did see, I mean, if, if we go back to kind of uh, really... Thursday and then through the weekend, we saw some pretty decent precipitation over the kind of the eastern plains uh, through the middle of the country, through the, the Mississippi Valley region um, and uh, kind of up towards the Great Lakes as well. So we saw a lot of uh, half inch to two inch amounts. There were some pockets in there uh, that were more than that. Uh, if we're looking at kind of northeast Kansas through uh, southern Wisconsin. We saw plenty of that over two inches in there. So that's definitely going to have uh, an impact on the drought monitor. Uh, that comes out this Thursday. Hopefully we'll see some elimination of the drought there, but if not, at least some reduction. Well, that would be good news. Hopefully it will also put a little more water into that inland waterway system, help get those barges moving down to the coast. John, now let's talk about what's coming this week. You mentioned the West is going to see some action. Who's going to get it and when? Yeah, so I mean, it's kind of a complicated little 
trough moving across the country here this week. It's going to kind of come in a little couple several waves moving through. First one kind of pops up here today. Uh, most of that action is actually going to go off into Canada and the Canadian prairies. Like I said, there's a little bit of snow here over um, over the, the northern plains. Um, the front to that's going to kind of move through the northern plains into the upper Midwest here today and to, or tomorrow and uh, set up kind of a zone of showers from uh, maybe maybe parts of Nebraska, but mostly the, the Dakotas and through Minnesota and Wisconsin. On Wednesday, uh, the front really intensifies because we're going to see the, the, the real big push coming out of the west with this uh, kind of Wednesday night-ish. And um, that front um, really going to kind of set up from, from Nebraska and through Wisconsin, southern uh, Minnesota area. Um, that'll start off as rain, but that cold air from Canada right now is going to be pulled into it. And we'll see that transition over from rain into snow. And in some places, it's going to be heavy, uh, especially if you're looking at the Dakotas and, and northwest Minnesota. I mean, right now it's hard to, to to throw out, you know, amounts, but, you know, one to two feet looks like what we're looking at here. For wait, 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 John, one to two feet of snow across yeah. where? So we're looking really primarily across the Dakotas and into northwest Minnesota with it, um, with that heavy of, of, of the snowfall. But we could see. Uh, some pretty heavy snowfall, not just in the mountains, but also into southeastern uh, Wyoming and uh, I'm sorry, southeastern Montana into Wyoming, even potentially far western Nebraska with some some accumulating snowfall. And that's not even the worst of it. I mean, you know, during the transition over to snow, we could see a, a zone of freezing rain in there. So we get rain and freezing rain and then snow on top of that. Um it's hard to determine exactly where that's going to set up, but it looks like somewhere from central uh, South Dakota into northern Minnesota. Uh, we'll get that freezing rain zone. And then the strong winds on the backside of this are going to be howling. We're looking at 50, 60 mile an hour winds. So along with the heavy snow, it looks like it's going to be blizzard conditions here for the Dakotas and, and into Minnesota. John, and of course, we've got a ton of livestock producers, ranchers out there in that part of the world. How cold are these temps going to get as that, that front transitions from rain into snow? Yeah. And, um, you know, honestly, it's not going to be too bad to start off with, but as we get past this and, and we really wrap down that's that, uh, that cold air from Canada, you know, part of the reason it's going to be so cold is because we're getting snow on, into the Canadian prairies right now. And it's not going to allow all of this cold air to moderate before getting into the, the Midwest. Um, and what, what we're really, what we're looking at, uh, I think we're going to see definitely temperatures below zero, um, coming up, this weekend, uh, it's probably not going to be widespread, but definitely uh, patchy areas of below zero, uh, especially where skies clear out. We get a little bit of calm winds this weekend and um, uh, where that heavy snow definitely fell. We should see that. So most likely in into Montana, Wyoming and the Dakotas uh, looking at that potential. But even you know farther south southeast, this front's going to clear the country uh, this week. So uh, we're going to get cold air spilling in through most of the country. Well, and John, I mean, that sets up kind of an interesting scenario to play out later this week. You mentioned the risk right. coming with this storm developing on Wednesday and then, of course, moving on through the remainder of the week. Also down there in the tropics, I understand we've got some activity with Tropical Storm Nicole that could start heating up here by the end of the week. That's right. And technically it's subtropical right now, but it'll make a transition to tropical um, before reaching landfall in Florida here. Uh, what looks to be on Thursday. Um, there's still some play with that. And depending on where this track ends up and kind of its speed, how far west it gets, could could potentially cause some kinks into the weather here for, for some agricultural land farther west. But for the most part, it looks like it's going to be an east coast uh, issue. Uh, so really on, on Thursday, it goes through Florida, and then we'll see it kind of move through the southeast on Friday and then up the east coast on Saturday. And that's where we'll see the, the heaviest rainfall with it. Um, you know, again, if, if it does push back a little bit farther, you know, we could get some, some decent rainfall on the West side of the Appalachians that could improve some of the, uh, the, the rainfall potential there for the Ohio river. And so, you know, helping those folks out, um, as, as we, we move, try to move stuff down the Mississippi later this week. Absolutely. Uh, but, uh, if it, if it does it, it looks like it mostly, uh, an East coast problem anyway. John, what happens when subtropical, soon-to-be tropical storm Nicole bumps into that trough marching its way eastward from the West Coast? Yeah, so uh, it'll stop and then recurve. So we call it recurve when it kind of changes direction from going east to west 
back for, to west to east. And usually it's a big trough that'll push uh, through the area that'll cause it to do that. And that's what's going to happen here later this week. All right, let's turn our focus down to South America, John, this time of year. Of course, you're keeping a close eye on what's developing in both Brazil and Argentina. Let's start with Brazil as their soybean crop continues to move along. How does the weather look down there? Honestly, it's not too bad. Now, we had a, a week of dry weather last week uh, for you know some areas in, in southern portions of the country where it had been too wet. That's actually a good thing because it'll help them to get out and, and get some more planters going. Um, but for central uh, portions of the country and, and, and the far southern areas of Brazil, it wasn't great. Um, they were looking for a little bit more soil moisture, but we're going to see that popping back in here later this week. Uh, showers really over central portions of the country uh, look like it'll come in about Wednesday. For southern portions, it'll probably be Thursday or, or Friday. Um, and, you know, it, there are going to be pockets of scattered clusters kind of things just popping up here and there. So some areas are going to get hit pretty good. Some areas are might get missed. So um, we have another front that'll be coming through Argentina here Sunday into Monday that'll clear out southern Brazil. So if those showers disappoint in some areas, we could be looking at some uh, dryness concerns uh, for, for the soybeans um, down there in Brazil. Argentina is a little bit different though. Uh, yeah. And I was Ar curious on the Argentinian yeah. side, how long until it really starts to get to crunch time on the Argentinian weather? Well, I mean, their, their corn planting has been so far behind this year. Usually they've done about half of their uh, corn planting at this time of the year, about half. And they're sitting at about 20, 25% complete. So they're very far behind. You know, they do it kind of in two waves. Their, their, their first wave here has just been so dry, riddled with drought and uh, some occasional frost even. And so they've really pushed that out. Uh, their soybean uh, planting has gotten off to a slow start too because of it's being so dry. They'll get the showers too, but again, there are going to be pockets of these clusters here. So some, some areas are going to get hit pretty good and some areas probably won't. And that clearing front, uh, again, is going to move through and, and leave things drier for next week. All right. Drier down in Argentina, but it does sound like it will have some action up here in North America. John, as you mentioned, heavy snowfall potential across the Dakotas, the Northern Plains developing on Wednesday. We're going to keep an eye on it. John, always appreciate your insight. Thanks for joining us for this update. And thanks for having me on. You bet, folks, and stick around. We are hearing conversations heat up in the big mass media about the midterm elections kicking off tomorrow. Joining us next will be Mike Strands, the vice president of advocacy at National Farmers Union, to talk about what his organization is looking for as these votes get closer. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Senex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils. Oils that run smart. These acres you've put your life into, your view each harvest morning. While the ag industry changes, this land is meant to be here for your grandkids and then theirs. That's why ADS and drainage contractors across the nation are doing our part to protect America's farm families. We're proud to provide water management solutions that make family farms like yours more profitable, now and for generations to come. Learn more about how we keep families farming at ADSPipe.com. At Bravant, our corn and soybean varieties are vetted nearly 3 million times against the competition. How many? 3 million frickin' times! Hey man, I'm standing right next to you. Ah, sorry, got a little excited. Don't take us at our word. Take us at our proof. Visit Bravant.com to see for yourself. Bravant Seeds. It's about time. Bravant multi-year on-farm pre-commercial head-to-head comparisons, third-party and research trials, based on more than 2.8 million comparisons. You're listening to AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Jesse Allen reporting. We started off relatively mixed on Monday morning with the wheat market finding a bit of buying strength as the U.S. dollar broke a bit lower to start the day, down about 50-some basis points. That helped give a little strength to wheat, it appears, while corn and soybeans remain relatively mixed right around the unchanged mark, and livestock trade is mixed to higher. We have a host of important reports out this week. We have the elections coming up tomorrow as well, the midterm elections, and then you throw in Wednesday, USDA's November WASDE report. 
We have CPI inflation data on Thursday, so there's a lot of a uh, lot of reports, a lot of events in front of us here this week that could keep things rather volatile as we move through the week ahead. Overall, though, fairly quiet start, it appears, to our week. Now, with the WASDE report coming up on Wednesday, we have a couple areas we're watching closely with the biggest changes expected uh, potentially in uh, quartered soybean yields with adjustments there or exports for both with a reduction in exports likely due in part to low water problems on the Mississippi River. Back-to-back -back weeks with soaking rains over the eastern plains and portions of the central Midwest have only very modestly improved water levels on the river. Water levels at Memphis improved several feet, but they remain 12 feet below low stage levels. A general trend toward continued improvement is expected, but at a very slow pace. On the livestock side, I mentioned mixed to higher trade there. The complex going to be searching for fundamental clues as to how this week's trade should pan out as we work through the day on Monday. As we see hogs finding the most support early on with cattle futures relatively mixed, we'll be watching to see what kind of action happens in feedlot country. Crude oil is mixed around unchanged with Dow up just about 89 points. This is AOA. I'm Jesse Allen reporting. I'll take dig a little, learn a lot for 30 bushels. Soft and crumbly. Tom. How does healthy soil feel to the touch? Correct. Dig a little for 40 bushels. Sweet and earthy. Tom. What does healthy soil smell like? Yes, go again. Dig a little for 50 bushels. Dark, porous, and alive. Tom. What does healthy soil look like? You win. Understanding the basics and benefits of healthy soil can make your farm a winner too through lower input costs, better yields, and drought protection, which can lead to a healthier bottom line for your business. Contact your local Natural Resources Conservation Service office today to find out how you can unlock the secrets in your soil. This message brought to you by USDA's Natural Resources Conservation Service and this radio station. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed on AOA. Now back to Mike Pearson. Well, folks, welcome back to AOA. Thanks for making us a part of your day today. And, of course, a lot of conversation over the next 48 hours will be devoted to the electoral process as the midterms elections kick off officially tomorrow. Joining us now, thinking about these policies, particularly as they relate to agriculture and their members, is Mike Strands. He's the vice president of advocacy at the National Farmers Union. And, Mike, fill me in. How are NFU members feeling ahead of tomorrow's midterms? Good morning, Mike, and thanks for uh, letting me join you today. Yeah, we're uh, looking ahead to making sure we get everybody out to vote tomorrow. Uh, our members are you know, ready to take to the polls and take a look at all those House races and so many key Senate races across the country. Uh, with a lot of the members of the House Agriculture Committee uh, in some tough races right now and a few members in the Senate Ag Committee, a lot of the leaders who are uh, going to be driving the discussion on the next farm bill obviously uh, we'll be facing the voters tomorrow absolutely we are going to see some new faces in washington dc post-election and mike before we get to those new faces and the conversations you're going to be having with them i'm wondering can we get an update on the nfu legislative priorities over this past year how did it go with this congress sure yeah the 117th congress uh, kept us busy uh, we made a lot of progress on well, take a look back in uh, over the summer with the passage of the Inflation Reduction Act and how much uh, was dedicated towards addressing climate change through agriculture. That was a big win. We can't forget how far we've come since uh, emerging from the pandemic, especially with the American Rescue Plan Act that passed back in February and March of 2021, and how that put some important dollars forward to help agriculture become more resilient. USDA has taken direction from Congress and has put into effect uh, many different programs with just some new announcements in the past week about meat processing resiliency dollars. Uh, we saw a lot of progress there. And throughout all of this, I'd say, the biggest theme has been on competition and how there's been some progress in making sure agriculture markets are strong, resilient, and competitive. 
and there's a few more things left to be done yet this Congress that we may see action on during the, the lame duck session here when Congress comes back in later in November and into December. So we've got some work yet to do. Mike, I'm glad you brought up the competition aspect. That is one thing we have heard a lot from this administration. It dovetails, I know, with a lot of the work NFU has done. Which policies are you going to be putting the, the final half-court press on uh, here in the lame duck Congress session? Right, yeah. So there's a couple bills in particular that have seen progress uh, but aren't quite finished up yet. So uh, the Meat and Poultry Special Investigator Act, uh, that would put some additional emphasis at USDA and throughout the administration into making sure that there's uh, fairness and competition in meat and poultry markets. That passed the full House back in the summertime and has passed the Senate Agriculture Committee but hasn't yet received a vote in the full Senate. Another bill that we're going to be pushing on here in the final months is the Cattle Price Discovery and Transparency Act. That one has passed the Senate Ag Committee but has not had action in the House yet. Both of those uh, stand to bring some greater clarity and make the market more transparent and uh, give independent farmers and ranchers a, a fair shake in the marketplace. So we want to see those move here in the final months of, the, of this Congress and with uh, a few deadlines approaching in December, with uh, the, the uh, appropriations bills need to get moved ahead, as well as uh, livestock mandatory reporting, we could see these two competition bills make a splash yet in 2022. All right, so that horse hasn't quite yet left the barn, could still see some action on those, Mike. And then, of course, it's a new Congress, it's 2023, and it's hard to believe it will be farm bill time yet again. I'm sure you've already been out talking to NFU members. What are you hearing? Is this going to be, from your perspective, uh, a revolutionary farm bill, or are members just pushing for slight adjustments? Sure. Well, the, the policy process for preparing for this 2023 farm bill is well underway. Uh, Farmers Union members agreed to some principles during our convention last year, or this year, I guess, back in March, and uh, leaders within the organization have helped clarify, uh, uh, prioritize some of these top items that we need to see addressed. Uh, like I've talked about here, competition factors heavily, uh, and you know some of the principles behind those two bills that yet to be uh, worked on yet and finished up this year could well be part of competition priorities next year. Uh, we want to make sure that mandatory country of origin labeling is back in there. We want to see further emphasis on local and regional food systems. Those uh, sorts of priorities have come up from farmers union members. Other places where we've seen some great interest has been on making sure that the farm safety net works effectively and is responses and uh, efficient. Uh, one issue that's going to be a key to success on this, however, will be to make sure that there is available baseline funding. This is the whole process through which Congress determines how much something costs uh, in Mike, the can we stop budget. here before we get into the baseline funding argument? That's come up a lot as we have prepared these <laughs> discussions around the 2023 Farm Bill. And for those of us outside the world of policy, it's it's not something we're plugged into. Talk to us about what is baseline funding and how has it been adjusted over the past two years to make this a question heading into 2023? That's a great question. I'm glad you brought that up, Mike. The, uh, the baseline is a measurement that Congress uses to determine how much something costs. And what is used to determine the baseline, it's kind of like uh, putting something on a scale and using the tear function and then adding to it or subtracting from it. So we need to kind of zero it out. And in order to do that, uh, the Congressional Budget Office takes a look at existing legislation and calculates how much that legislation would cost if it continued for another 10 years. And then any changes from that, either additional spending or reductions in spending from what would be expected to be spent over 10 years constitutes the baseline. So when we talk about baseline funding, it's the how much additional or less are we going to spend on farm bill programs. And there's a whole bunch of variables and special circumstances that come into play here. But I think thinking of it like a, uh, like a scale and tearing it like that is uh, probably the best place to start. So when you're thinking about the baseline argument, the goal is heading into this 2023 Farm Bill to keep the baseline the same as it was then in the 18 Farm Bill? I think with the climate we're seeing right now, either regardless of how things shake out tomorrow through the elections, it's likely, uh, or at least a lot of uh, those who've been observing this are thinking it's probably a, a, a 
baseline will be about the same. There's not going to be much of a change in overall spending. Uh, we'd like to see some increases there because of how there's some uh, changes that we would really like to see on emphasizing small, local, regional uh, agriculture and to find some ways to make the food system more resilient. We wouldn't mind seeing some additional baseline there, but uh, by most indications, it looks to be a flat line continuation of overall spending levels. But that could very well change between now and next year. Indeed, there is a lot of discussions coming on this topic. Mike, as this new Congress comes in in January, what does the timeline look like for these Farm Bill discussions at the congressional level? Will they kick off immediately? Yeah, I think one way or another, again, regardless of uh, control of Congress and either party, uh, we're going to see a lot of Farm Bill hearings and then also uh, likely some business meetings with the, the committees. It's possible we could see some of that firing up as soon as springtime. Uh, for like some, seeing some draft bills or getting things going there. Uh, that's probably at least looking at how the last couple of farm bills have gone. Usually it's been in the spring or late spring of that farm bill year when those sorts of uh, drafts start taking shape. So, uh, yeah, looking at the 14 and the 18 bills, I'd, I'd expect it hopefully in the spring. All right. We'll be watching for that as it gets closer. Taking a step away from the elected side of electoral politics, looking at administrative actions. Mike, we've seen the Biden administration be very active, uh, utilizing the tools they have at executive agencies. Are there any things you'd wish from an NFU perspective they'd go farther on? Well, we're excited to see the progress that's been made, particularly on Packers and Stockyards rulemaking. Uh, USDA, back in summer of 2021, uh, previewed uh, that there'd be three larger portions of uh, uh, Packers and Stockyards rulemakings in the in the coming months and years. And so far, we've gotten through two of them, and uh, more are on the way. It's been so important to put emphasis and protections and enforcement of Packers and Stockyards uh, provisions so that independent family farmers and ranchers, particularly in poultry, but elsewhere have uh, a fair marketplace and aren't being taken advantage of by integrators and processors and packers. So having that sort of emphasis through those rulemakings has been really helpful. Uh, I think there's yeah. plenty of other places where the administration's making progress, but we've been especially heartened in the packers and stockyards world. On the packers and stockyards in particular, Mike, do you anticipate more rulings and more pronouncements coming here as we get into 2023? Yeah, I think the third piece of the uh, Packers and Stockyards rulemakings that USDA has uh, moted and previewed should be coming uh, possibly in 2022, but certainly in early 23. So looking forward to that. So many things ahead, Mike. Are you expecting anything uh, with the elections tomorrow, or are you just to hold your breath, wait, and see how it all shakes out when the votes are counted? I think it's uh, really important that we all get out there and vote and make our voice heard, and uh, we're you know, Farmers Union will be ready to advocate for our members, uh, regardless of how things turn out. So looking ahead to uh, working with the next the next crew. And Mike, if we've got listeners who want to learn more about the Farmers Union, where could they go to get some information? You can check out NFU.org and uh, learn all about National Farmers Union there. It can help connect you with Farmers Union uh, organizations in your state as well. Fantastic, folks. Check that out. We've been talking with Mike Strands, the Vice President of Advocacy at the National Farmers Union. Mike, thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Mike. Have a good one. And folks, stay tuned. We'll be talking with Beth Breeding of the National Turkey Federation when AOA returns. Those turkey producers have had a tough year, but there will still be plenty of supply for Thanksgiving. Stick around for more AOA after this. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Senex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils. Oils that run smart. As an organ donor, your story doesn't have to end. The good in you can live on. In fact, you could save up to eight lives with your gifts. Your heart could keep beating. Your kidneys could keep filtering. And your intestines could keep on digesting for others. And that's not all. You can improve the lives of 50 more people as an eye and tissue donor, restoring sight and health. And you're not just helping out the person receiving the transplant. You're touching whole families with your life-saving gift. 
Register in minutes. Just go to organdonor.gov. You'll be happy you did. And just maybe, someone else will be happy too. Sign up today. Go to organdonor.gov. It saves lives. U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. Hey, Dad. Your prescription will be ready in just a minute. Hey, Dad. Your laundry will be ready in just a minute. Dad, your lunch will be ready in just a minute. Hey, honey, why don't you take a minute? When you help care for a loved one, you give them as much time as you can, making sure they're safe and comfortable. But it's just as important that you take some time for yourself. At AARP, we can help with information and useful tips on how you can maintain a healthy life balance, care for your own physical and mental well-being, and manage the challenges of caring for a loved one. Because the better care you take of yourself, the better care you can provide for your loved one. Thanks, Dad. Thank you. You're there for them. We're here for you. Find free care guides to support you and your loved one at aarp.org caregiving. That's aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. These acres you've put your life into, your view each harvest morning. While the ag industry changes, this land is meant to be here for your grandkids and then theirs. That's why ADS and drainage contractors across the nation are doing our part to protect America's farm families. We're proud to provide water management solutions that make family farms like yours more profitable, now and for generations to come. Learn more about how we keep families farming at adspipe.com. As a farmer, growing your business is more than just a nine to five. It's your life's work. That's why the Roundup Ready Extend crop system goes all in to help you stay on top. Backed by decades of innovation, offering the latest trait technology and triple herbicide tolerance, plus more weed species controlled than any other soybean system. Because you mean business, and so do we. Learn more at systemofchoice.com. Claim based on approved EPA herbicide labels as of January 2021. Read and follow pesticide label directions, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. I think farming picked me. (laughs) I didn't pick farming. I'm not afraid to try something new. It's my farm, my family, and our future. My channel Seedsman gets that. I get access to innovative products with personalized advice backed by data to maximize my yield potential. With Channel, I know I'll prosper for years to come. Define your future at channel.com slash future. Read and follow pesticide label directions, IRM, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. Copyright 2022 Bayer Group. All rights reserved. On the first Wednesday of every month, our friends from the National Corn Growers Association join us on AOA for a segment we call The Monthly Grind. This month's edition focused on poultry. Shelby Watson of the USA Poultry and Egg Export Council joined the show with Mike Beard, Indiana farmer. We talked about how much corn exported poultry uses in this country. In 2021, the U.S. poultry industry exported about 303 million corn bushel equivalents worth of poultry. So we're expecting to... um, fly by that this year. Um, We know the numbers are already kind of bypassing that, so we're excited to see the full 2022 picture. Um, But the poultry industry consumes about 1.2 billion bushels of corn, which makes them the largest consumer um, of corn grain in the livestock sector. Mike Beard, corn grower from Indiana, he had this to say. One bird doesn't eat a lot of feed, but a lot of birds will will eat a lot. That's the monthly grind from NCGA and AOA. Tune in December 7th for the next installment. At Bravant, our corn and soybean varieties are vetted nearly three million times against the competition. How many? Three million frickin' times. Hey man, I'm standing right next to you. Ah, sorry, got a little excited. Don't take us at our word, take us at our proof. Visit Bravant.com to see for yourself. Bravant Seeds, it's about time. Bravant multi-year on-farm pre-commercial head-to-head comparisons, third-party and research trials, based on more than 2.8 million comparisons. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Senex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils. Oils that run smart. Keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed on AOA. Now back to Mike Pearson. 
Welcome back to AOA, ladies and gentlemen. Of course, we are in the month of November, which means we are gearing up for Thanksgiving, the Super Bowl of holidays for America's turkey producers. And folks, those turkey producers in this country have had a rough go of it this past year. We've talked quite a bit on this program about HPAI and the impact on America's poultry sector. But despite all of the challenges, America's turkey producers are geared up and they are ready for a happy Thanksgiving. Joining us to talk about it is Beth Breeding. She's the head of communications at the National Turkey Federation. And Beth, turkey producers across the country, how are they feeling as we head into November? Well, good morning, Mike, and thank you. You know, you're right. It's been a really challenging year for turkey producers across the country. Um, but, you know, they have been busy uh, doing what they do best, and that's raising turkey. And we are really confident that we're ready for a great Thanksgiving this year uh, with lots of turkey on the table. There's plenty of turkey on the table, but Beth, I don't think it'll surprise a lot of folks, given what is happening with inflation out there, that turkey's going to be a little bit more expensive this year, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you know, you're right. Everything is a little bit more expensive right now, and it's um, inflation, cost of feed, cost of fuel, um, and also avian influenza. It's all playing a role. Uh, Turkey is certainly affected by that, just like pretty much every other uh, commodity we see out there. But the one thing that we do want folks to keep in mind that when you're going to the grocery store, you're still probably going to see some really good deals, attractive prices, lots of other things um, on that holiday turkey. So uh, keep that in mind as you're shopping. Well, that is good to know. It's always good to find some deals out there, especially Mm -hmm. when prices are what they are. (laughs) And Beth, I'm curious, given that we are paying a little bit more, given that we might have to to plan ahead a little bit more for this Thanksgiving, I understand uh, National Turkey Federation has put together a uh, sort of a guide to help folks get prepared. Absolutely. You're right. Um, So planning ahead is the number one tip that we have. Uh, We get a lot of questions for folks about what to expect, how the turkey they want, and the answer is to plan ahead. So that is something that that we want to make sure folks understand. We've put together some resources on our website, eatturkey.org, to help folks kind of make the most of their holiday, uh, including leftovers ideas, how to freeze the turkey, uh, and some tips for kind of keeping in budget as you're planning your meal. Um, Of course, keeping the turkey at the center of the table. That's right. We love to see a whole turkey there sitting on the table. And I'm wondering, as folks are preparing for Thanksgiving, Beth, are there any tips that you could share with our listeners right now to help them have a successful Thanksgiving dinner? Well, the main tip I can share is to make sure you leave time to thaw your turkey. Um, It sounds simple, but it really is the one thing that tends to get a lot of people into trouble on Thanksgiving morning when the turkey is still frozen. Uh, So you're going to want to allow 24 hours of thawing time in the fridge for every four to five pounds of turkey that you have. So, um, you know, depending on the size of your turkey, you may have to start thawing Sunday night or Monday morning to have it ready to go in the oven or on the smoker on Thursday for your family. Um, and a, Beth, also, break that down for me again. It's 48 hours per four to five pounds of, of weight. 24 hours for every four to five pounds of weight for your turkey. So I um, think you want to have about a day uh, for your turkey to thaw for every four to five pounds. All right, get that done. Don't be dropping a frozen turkey into <laughs> your fryer, right? That's the moral oh, of that no. story. We've all seen those uh, terrible photos and absolutely do not try to fry a frozen turkey. It's a very bad idea. It certainly is. For listeners who do want to keep up to speed, maybe they want to share some tips with perhaps a young person who's maybe going out on their first Thanksgiving this year. Beth, where can they go to, to get that information and the Thanksgiving 101 guide? Sure. Um, visit eatturkey.org easy to remember. Uh, We have a full Thanksgiving 101 for everything from the whole turkey to parts to that Thanksgiving gravy uh, that, you know, you have to have for your turkey. So lots of different resources. Again, that's eatturkey.org. Folks, check that out, eatturkey.org. Make sure you're preparing that bird the best possible way to keep your guests happy this Thanksgiving. Beth Breeding, comms director over the National Turkey uh, Federation, thanks so much for talking to us today, and we hope the turkey industry is ready for a gangbuster Thanksgiving. Thank you. Happy Thanksgiving.
And folks, stick around tomorrow. We will be talking more ag policy here on AOA. We'll be digging into the economics behind the turkey industry with our friend Brian Ernest of CoBank. We're also going to talk about what's developing in the cattle sector with our friends from the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. While we're thinking food, both poultry and cattle tomorrow, we do have an update here. The impact of inflation, folks, it continues to hurt Americans' buying power. Food and beverage prices increased 1.4% from September through October. This is according to new data from tracking firm IRI. They have found in particular that Delhi prices, Delhi meats, are up substantially 12.1% higher than a year ago and up an additional 1% in October from September. Delhi sales volume was down 5% from one year earlier. So we are seeing these elevated prices start to have an impact on consumers' buying behavior. But the industry as a whole is continuing to work on ways to make more cost-effective protein. And to that end, the University of Nebraska announced that they are hosting a groundbreaking ceremony. Excuse me, they hosted a groundbreaking ceremony for a new feedlot research center on November 4th. This is the Klosterman Feedlot Innovation Center. This is a huge $7.2 million facility. It's a commercial scale, state of the art feedlot, and it's going to allow researchers at the University of Nebraska Lincoln to team up on research products involving beef. They can use these facilities to help teach, and they will be partnering with industry partners to do some testing on issues that matter to feedlot producers. The details, this center will include a 240-head cattle feeding facility. It's going to allow researchers to improve cattle performance. They're going to be tracking environmental impact. They're also going to be using precision techniques to study the outcomes of various feeding protocols. They're going to measure the emissions and study the, uh, the various types and uses for precision feeding technology. Lots of fascinating stuff happening in the world of animal agriculture. Lots of fascinating stuff happening in all of agriculture. And we'll continue talking about it here on AOA, folks. Join us tomorrow for more coverage of America's most important industry. Thanks for listening, everybody. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Senex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils. Oils that run smart. We all know clean fields lead to strong yields. That's why ExtendFlex soybeans offer triple tolerance to dicamba, glyphosate, and glufosinate to control more weed species than any other soybean system. Even tough weeds like water hemp, palmer amaranth, and mare's tail. Get the control, flexibility, and proven performance you need so you can focus on the business at hand instead of beating back weeds. Explore the Roundup Ready Extend crop system at systemofchoice.com. Claim based on approved EPA herbicide labels as of January 2021. Read and follow pesticide label directions, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. I think farming picked me. I didn't pick farming. I'm not afraid to try something new. It's my farm, my family, and our future. My channel Seedsman gets that. I get access to innovative products with personalized advice backed by data to maximize my yield potential. With channel, I know I'll prosper for years to come. Define your future at channel.com slash future. Read and follow pesticide label directions, IRM, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. Copyright 2022 Bayer Group. All rights reserved.